Hello, and welcome to EcoCard Podcast, presented by AVTCs and powered by Argonne National Laboratory, General Motors, the U.S. Department of Energy, and MathWorks. My name is Will Hom. I'm the project manager for the hybrid electric vehicle team at Virginia Tech. HEVT is currently participating in the EcoCar Mobility Challenge, along with 10 other universities across the U.S. and Canada. Joining me today are Dr. Doug Nelson, faculty advisor for HEVT and a professor of mechanical engineering at Virginia Tech, and Stephen Boyd, program manager of batteries and electrification at the U.S. Department of Energy and an alumnus of both Virginia Tech and ABTCs. Today, we'll be discussing the impact of ABTCs at Virginia Tech over the past 26 years and how this partnership has impacted Stevens and Dr. Nelson's own careers. I hope that today's conversation provides some valuable insight into ways universities and government agencies can collaborate to advance energy science and mobility solutions. So Stephen and Dr. Nelson, welcome to the EcoCar podcast and thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thanks, Will. Good to be here. Thank you, Will. All right, Dr. Nelson, I'll start with you. Um, So as both my and Stephen's, well, as my faculty advisor and Stephen's former faculty advisor, you've been an integral part of HEVT for a while now. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about your background, both your education and how you came to be involved with ABTCs at Virginia Tech? Yeah, sure. I uh, got my bachelor's and my master's at Virginia Tech a long time ago. And uh, then I worked for a while and eventually went back to Arizona State University and got my PhD looking at mostly uh, solar energy uh, applications. And uh, when I finished there, I was able to secure a faculty position here at Virginia Tech in 1986. So I've been here since as faculty since 1986. With a background in uh, solar and energy storage, when the hybrid electric vehicle challenge first came along, the first one was in 93, and then there was 94. Spring of 94, I led a senior design group uh, that submitted a proposal to the uh, 95 hybrid electric vehicle challenge, and we were able to get in. I had very little background or knowledge in anything automotive at that point, but uh, hybrid vehicles use energy storage, and Mm -hmm. I was familiar with energy storage from solar energy applications, and so I was intrigued by the idea and jumped in. That's awesome, and you've been involved ever since, basically. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, Stephen, you were involved in Future Truck as an undergrad and Challenge X as a grad student. How did you get involved with those as a student here at Virginia Tech? Yeah, I uh, was touring the campus. I, I grew up in, in Richmond, Virginia. Um, was touring the campus, and they were actually testing, um, I think at the time, it was their propane uh, vehicle from a uh, future car. Uh, but anyway, it seemed interesting, and I um, you know, I had an interest for that, and so I showed up to a Monday meeting um, my first week as a freshman and, uh, yeah, participated in... Uh, basically seven years of, uh, of competitions with the team. And I led the team for two years, uh, Challenge X uh, 2005 and 2006. And uh, we ended up winning in 2006, which was, which was really fun too. That's awesome. Yeah, so you mentioned um, leadership positions. What did, you, what did you do as a leader on the team? Um, so I um, sort of worked my way around the team a bit uh, as an undergrad. I worked on uh, high voltage systems and uh, some of the vehicle safety systems, as well as uh, electric drive systems. 
And then, um, as I mentioned, for my master's degree, I was the, the team lead and you sort of, you know, coordinate uh, all the all the elements, including the non-technical stuff um, and try to do your best to uh, lead what is really a student project. Right. 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 And were you able to leverage your your time on ABTC to, um, to you know, influence your research during grad school? Uh, yeah, exactly. Very much so. Um, my research focused mostly on control systems uh, or conserve control theory, if you will, for hybrid vehicles. And so it was um, very, very applicable uh, at the time, really. It was very much uh, what we tried to put on the vehicle. And then you write the thesis after it's all done, right? <laughs> See if it did it work. I don't know. <laughs> I, I totally understand. I'm, I'm right in the middle of writing my own thesis. Um, very cool. And I, I imagine that HEVT and participate in the, these challenges to help kind of shape or figure out what you want to do with your career. Um, how exactly did you, did you go from um, working on HEVT to um, your first job right out of college? Sure, sure. So um, actually working at DOE was, was my first job out of college. Um, certainly, uh, the, you know, the exposure to, uh, not only DOE, but also some of the research institutions like Argonne Lab that runs the competition kind of helps, um, you know, as well as doing, um, you know, sort of publishing and working with a lot of the sponsors and in industry we have involved, uh, in the student vehicle competitions like Yukukar, um, all really good experience that I think translates pretty well to what we do. Um, here at DOE, which is trying to advance, you know, vehicle technologies. It's, it's cool to see that, you know, starting off in college, that really kind of set you up to, you know, on this career trajectory towards, you know, influencing policy related to, to, to new vehicle. That's awesome. I guess going, talking, transitioning to kind of our, the y'all's current work. Um, Stephen, can you tell us a little bit more about your your role as program manager for batteries and electrification and kind of how you ended up in, in that position? Sure. So I, as program manager for batteries and electrification, I manage a, a small group of folks that are uh, based uh, here out of DC. And um, we work in a number of different areas that really focus on the electrification of vehicles for transportation, which is primarily EVs now. Um, a lot of that work is is for uh, batteries. So this is battery R&D for next generation, for, for next generation cells like solid state chemistries and things like that, um, as well as battery recycling and a lot of the uh, related sort of like supply chain issues in terms of trying to scale up to meet the future demand for batteries. Um, but we also do work in the areas of vehicle drive systems, which is really similar to some of the experience I got in, in HEVT, as well as what we would call vehicle grid integration. So this is managing uh, all the vehicles that are going to be coming onto the grid, and including the ones we have now. Um, so this is managed charging, wireless charging, um, and high power charging, which is um, a little bit newer uh, as of late, but this is like, you know, 10 or 15 minute charge on a vehicle kind of stuff, which is uh, pretty high power loads and point loads on the grid. So there's a, I guess just to say, it's a, a whole bunch of things that are important for getting um, vehicles electrified. Right, so it's not just the vehicles themselves, it's also the um, related systems and infrastructure you need to integrate those vehicles into, into society. 
Is that about right? Right, right, yeah. There's um, there's a lot of sort of surrounding things that need to happen, right, in order to, to make this uh, work well and work for, for everyday consumers, right? This is also a lesson that comes across, I think, pretty well in, in EcoCar and the vehicle competitions, right? We do consumer acceptability events, and um, you really have to um, think about how a vehicle is going to be used uh, kind of in everyday life, right? There's a lot of vehicles out on the road and many people who, who need to use them, many things that need to be shipped every day, right? And even heavy duty vehicles are pretty important too. So you really have to take all these things into account. It's not just making it work one time or making it work well for a particular setting. It has to be good day in and day out and every day of the year, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the downfalls of many alternative fuels in the past has been the infrastructure and supply. So mm -hmm. working on high, high power charging for electrified vehicles is what's needed to make them successful. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of those challenges you're working on are very similar to ones that, you know, we're still addressing in, in the eco-car mobility challenge. So um, what kind of what kind of skills that you learned during your time on HVT at Tech did do you still use in your current work? I, I think a lot of those get to the the sort of interpersonal, um, maybe not necessarily people skills, but um, working in a technical context with technical folks, um, but getting um, getting those uh, getting those points across and getting you know that advancement and that work done, but making sure that um, it's 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 heard and understood. And the, the challenges are clear, right? Because they're pretty big, as we just talked about, right? These are these are things that are gonna have a huge impact and that are having a huge impact, but making, but trying to get someone to understand that, including think back to like, you know, 15, 20 years ago, when even a hybrid vehicle was a new thing on the road, right? That's a significant challenge. And so I think the, the competition did a great job, uh, at least in preparing me for, for um, addressing some of those questions and, um, putting a good point on some of those um, some of those key things, those key issues, those key things we need to address um, in in the broad span of vehicle electrification. So, Dr. Nelson, kind of pivoting to you, um, you know, you're obviously still at Virginia Tech, um, working in you know research and at the university level. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your your current research and how it kind of intersects with ABTCs? Yeah, well, currently I'm working on uh, some simplified and uh, flexible energy consumption models for electrified vehicles, part of what you're working on, part of what Candy's working on. Yep. And um, something that's flexible enough to take into account things like accessory loads from heating and air conditioning loads, uh, road grades, and those th sort of things. And the application for this would be something that's uh, simple enough to run real time or uh, quickly enough to integrate into things for uh, either routing, planning, uh, figuring out where you need to stop to charge, uh, other sort of applications like uh, those sort of things. The uh, other things we're looking at are braking strategies. If you know a stop is coming from, say, you know, if you're a smart driver and looking ahead and trying to anticipate a stop, or you have V2I, vehicle to integrate uh, infrastructure communication, such that you have the signal phasing and timing uh, data from the light and you know the light's gonna turn red and you're gonna need to stop. Uh, how? What's the best way to 
decelerate to that stop? Um, yeah. Is it coasting? Is it using regen braking? How heavy should you use the regen braking? There's a lot of misconceptions about regen braking uh, that that's always the best thing to do and that it's, but it's not a hundred percent efficient and it's, yep. uh, there's some issues with that. So we're taking a look at that and trying to come up with, um, before you program a strategy into a controller that might do that, you need to know what should the strategy be. So right. pretty basic stuff. Um, also working on, um, some area, uh, still working in the, energy consumption of hybrid electric vehicles coming up with a torque split mm -hmm. uh, strategy that uh, increases or optimizes the efficiency of the of the vehicle under many, many different circumstances and including drive quality, mm -hmm. which uh, making sure that it's comfortable to drive or comfortable to ride in. Uh, and uh, that is hard to model correctly. So you also have to test that in the vehicle as well. Yeah. And that, those are all, you know, things that definitely come into play, you know, during these challenges, especially this current one. How do you, you know, either work, work with students directly or um, through, you know, courses um, developed for this, this competition? How do you, you know, kind of get that knowledge to the students to influence the competition? Yeah, it's, um, I've been teaching a senior technical elective that a lot of graduate students also take mm -hmm. for a very long time. Uh, and where we go over uh, the basics of uh, vehicle propulsion and energy consumption and performance. You have to make the thing accelerate enough to make it drivable, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, and size the components correct so that it can. Uh, and then I occasionally teach a specialized uh, graduate course on um, uh, typically hybrid vehicle controls or uh, advanced energy consumption strategies uh, for electrified vehicles. Mm -hmm. And then it's mostly uh, graduate student theses. So directing, uh, picking a, a topic and uh, working with students on the, on the thesis topic. Right. Have there been any um, notable uh, breakthroughs or um, interesting findings that research? Yes. We graduate students that then go to work. Um, you know, some some of some of the work we've done gets uh, referenced by other uh, uh, other people and those mm -hmm. sort of things, but I wouldn't call any of it really a breakthrough. But mm -hmm. uh, pretty steady output of uh, hopefully useful information, but mostly it's the people that come out of the program. Yeah, yeah, like uh, like Mr. Boyd over here as well. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, so shifting to um, our next section, the the legacy of of ABTCs. Um, this is a question for, for Steven. It seems like you're a really big advocate of, you know, these competitions and, and the advancement of methods of, you know, developing mobility solutions and energy storage solutions. So how does the, the DOE contribute to competitions like EcoCar Mobility Challenge? Well, uh, for one thing, we continue to, to sort of sponsor them, right? There's a few headline sponsors for these sort of competitions, and I think DOE's been kind of leading that since I'm going to say 88 or 89. I'm always going to get the year wrong, but it's been a long time now. Um, and uh, I, I definitely agree with sort of where we left off here, which was that, you know, the, the output of students is really important. Um, you know, this, this is a little bit more than workforce training, right? This isn't learning how to operate a machine, but it is learning how 
um, to do many things we just talked about, right? How to try to change the technologies that we use on a daily basis that really affect the energy use and emissions profile of our country, right? And so um, those are pretty big things and it takes a lot of people that are at least a little bit knowledgeable, if not really knowledgeable on some of these topics and subjects to go out there and have a whole career. And so it's um, pretty impressive. I know um, looking at AVTCs and where um, graduates from this program go, um, of course, many of them do go out into the automotive industry, some don't, um, and some end up in, in, in other places and things like that. And so um, I, I think it's, uh, it's really effective. This program is really effective in terms of um, having that sort of uh, the right kinds of, of change and the right, I think, showing the right sort of thing that technology can do um, for, uh, you know, for, for, for the, the benefit uh, really of, uh, of all of us, of the, some of the goals, you know, that we try to push at, at DOE. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it seems like those goals have been pretty much consistent over time, obviously changing with, you know, technology as, it, as it's advanced. Um, I guess it's the question for both of y'all, you know, what are the largest differences you can think of between AVTCs, you know, when Virginia Tech first got started or Stephen, when you were involved as a student versus now when we're working with, um, you know, hydroelectric systems and autonomous technology? Yeah. So, yeah. so I would say some of the biggest uh, changes have been in the software and tools that we use. Uh, those have advanced quite a bit. Uh, and now MathWorks is one of the headline sponsors of the competition. And like you said, the connected and automated vehicle aspects of things are uh, quite uh, important. One of the things that I think has remained the same is that you still need to know the basics and be able to apply them. Some people lose sight of that occasionally. Uh, and that you need to uh, recognize that testing is very important. You have to be able to test things in a in, verify that things are working and you don't, you're not done until it's, you're never really done, but it's not, <laughs> you're not done until you've tested it and proved that it works. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's, um, you know, we, we've, we've brought, uh, we've gone over a lot of questions here. This is probably the one that I think we could go the deepest on, right? It is. Um, but, uh, I'll say one thing we didn't have podcasts when I was doing competitions, right? <laughs> like, um, and, uh, and it, I, I think that alone speaks volumes, right? This is, um, in my mind, at least, these went from, you know, we could put together vehicles and and make them do things. You could build a hybrid, but it wasn't necessarily a great vehicle, you know. And as both the hardware improved, better batteries, better motors, we actually had some automotive examples of vehicles being built, right? Um, so you can think of early hybrids and now sort of going through an iteration of EVs, and now those have gotten better, right? I think the... Um, the student vehicle competitions have for sure played, uh, you know, some some role somewhere in the advancements of many of these vehicles and the representative components that go into them. Um, but I think, it, um, again, to the podcast point, it speaks to the sort of importance of um, of energy use for transportation and vehicles. Right. Um, we've we've really started to put that, I think, under a magnifying glass. And um, you can you can see how this is going to become super important. Um, in, the, in the coming years. And how it ties into the whole infrastructure of the whole country. And, and you know, it's not just an isolated system. Right. Yeah, I, I think we'd be, we'd be in, uh, amiss without, you know, talking a little bit more about, you know, the focus of y'all's research and, and career when that's 
energy storage. So can you all speak on the advancement of batteries used to power this competition really over the years um, going from lead acid to nickel metal hydride and then, you know, the current technology, which is lithium ion. Yeah, I was, I was just, I, you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, right? That's it. Um, you know, it, it's going from what we used to have, which was pretty big, heavy bricks that wouldn't store a lot of energy to relatively, you know, compact systems that are projected to get even better. And, um, you know, to the point at which uh, a full on electric vehicle now has um, very reasonable range and pretty good performance. And, you know, that's that's only going to increase. Um, I, I think take a you can also take a look at electric aviation, right? Um, when you can start putting these things on a plane and get good performance and kind of project out that in, you know, five or 10 years, you're thinking about um, even larger aircraft have battery systems, right? This is where we're going. Um, and so uh, that that path is that trend and that path has continued. And I think that's been one of the one of the many elements, but certainly a really important one that's kind of spurred things along and maybe accelerated the pace more than you might have thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the availability of lithium ion batteries allowed us to build plug in hybrid vehicles for the competitions. Mm -hmm. Uh, before that, it just wasn't practical. You just you couldn't put enough battery in it to make it go you know, on have an electric only mode that had significant range. We were able to achieve things like thirty to fifty mile range in in uh, in plug in hybrid vehicles. Mm -hmm. And then the next competition coming up, which is the uh, Eco Car EV Challenge, will mm -hmm. be totally electric, totally yeah. battery electric. And yeah, and that that seems like the energy storage has has been the the main issue that in the past, you know, held back EVs from becoming more mainstream um, versus now where, you know, the, it seems like the technology has advanced enough to where, you know, we can mass produce EVs with, um, you know, either just as good performance and um, endurance as combustion engine vehicles or even, even better endurance. Yeah. Yeah, and for, for the longest time, gasoline has been so good, it's really hard to beat, you know, in terms of energy density and energy storage. So the fact that we now have production electric vehicles with two, 250, 300-some-mile highway range, is, uh, it really enables people, many more people to consider using them. Yeah, I think you could, you could underline it just a little bit, too, with the fact that um, if you look at how the grid is expanding its generation capacity, a lot of it is based in renewable electricity generation between solar and wind, among others. Um, and I think that sort of, you know, I'll double underline your point about, uh, you know, using electricity in vehicles is, um, I think, has a lot of benefits uh, in addition to being a good vehicle now. Yeah. And just to briefly, before we move on, I want to give you all an opportunity to highlight some some other technologies that have also developed in, in parallel with energy storage. So um, I know we briefly talked about um, autonomous systems earlier, but um, can you all give, give some insight into other technologies that um, students at EcoCar are learning about today? Well, I, I would say just exposure to high voltage DC systems on a vehicle is a very valuable uh, skill and knowledge to have to carry forward into this kind of technology in whatever uh, role or industry or uh, supplier or manufacturer you end up at. So just 
understanding the concepts and um, uh, of an elect electric motors and drives and those sort of things. The next level sort of thing that we do is the uh, developing the control software uh, using the tools that we have available and the relatively high power controllers that we're able to put into the vehicles to manage the torque command. You got to keep in mind we have students developing software that's you know commanding 100 kilowatt motors and engines and those sort of things. So uh, system safety is also uh, I think a, a very big thing that we expose a lot of students to that they wouldn't otherwise come in contact with in uh, uh, in their normal curriculum. Yeah, and you 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 touched on this, uh, Dr. Nelson, but you know testing. Uh, data validation development. I mean that that whole cycle. I think is a is a study onto itself, right? And um, as as well as I think um, I'll, you know I'll add uh, doing things for automotive engineering and working in an automotive context. Um, you know vehicles have to be uh, pretty inexpensive to manufacture, but freaking durable, right? <laughs> you know cars last a long time, and um, so the. You know, there's a number of things involved there, whether it's environmental durability or, um, you know, uh, you can even talk about the robustness of signals on a vehicle, right? There's a whole list of things that have to work well for a really long time. And um, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a unique area, right? But um, I think it certainly um, enhances and or enforces a lot of good lessons for, you know, kind of like quality engineering type of stuff. And we're just starting to get into considering cybersecurity and those kind of things mm -hmm. on vehicles, uh, but that's another another area. Uh, and you know, it's it's tried and true, but and the students don't particularly like us emphasizing it. But presentations and writing reports and those mm -hmm. kind of things, and being able to visualize data and put it all together and tell a story with it, uh, that's a probably a more important skill than mm -hmm. just about anything if you're going to have a successful career. It's kind of what Stephen touched on earlier that the the soft people skills are, um, the soft skills and the people skills are probably, you know, just as critical to, you know, influencing change in society as the as the technical knowledge is. Yeah. the uh, The final uh, kind of topic I wanted to discuss with you guys is the future of both ABTCs and the automotive industry in general. And I know in that last uh, that last portion, we touched on kind of the continuing challenges that, you know, students continue to address in these competitions. So, Stephen, I want to get your, your thoughts, your perspective within the Department of Energy. What trends in the industry do you see uh, or challenges in general do you see that, that may influence the new EcoCar EV challenge? Yeah, I mean, I think you you said it, EVs, right? We've we've done a number of different types of vehicles, but really we haven't had an EV focused competition, um, and so I, I, you know I think that speaks sort of to itself, right? We see electric vehicles um, becoming um, in the near future here probably the majority of light duty vehicles that are sold, right? And so there there are a number of projections out that you can see for that as, as well as uh, targets. The real um, future of the program is is the students and giving them the experience of uh, working in the automotive field and area and uh, then going out into uh, positions and jobs in industry. So that's really the uh, 
still the challenge of the future is to get uh, the future leaders involved in uh, in this kind of project at a undergraduate and graduate level. Well, it looks like we're just about out of time today. Stephen and Dr. Nelson, I want to thank you both for joining the podcast today. I really enjoyed talking with you guys. Thanks to the ABTC competition for having us on this podcast. Thanks to Department Energy for their continued support. Yeah, thanks guys. This is fun. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the EcoCar podcast. Make sure to follow EcoCar on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube for all the latest updates on the EcoCar Mobility Challenge and the upcoming EcoCar EV Challenge. The EcoCar podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you're listening now. Take care, and we'll see you next time.